April 6th and April 13th. That's the dates for thank you. That looks like my wife's handwriting. You must have slipped up here while I was quietly praying. April 6th is the Yom HaShoah service. April 13th is the Yom HaAtzma'ot. One is the Holocaust. The next will be the Israel independence. We like to do it back to back. Well, that's the way it is on the calendar also. Back to back. One is the suffering. One is the rejoicing. Rejoicing follows Yom HaShoah. If you have your bulletins, take them out. Your outlines. I'd like you to follow along as we look at it. I'm going over, as many of you know, I'm preaching and teaching the book of Deuteronomy. It's a tremendous, tremendous book that for years, actually I've been a believer in Messiah now 41 years, but for 41 years I've avoided teaching this book. But as I'm going through it, I'm really, really enjoying the book of Deuteronomy. Moses' fifth book, uh, after he brought the Jewish people out of Egypt, after he brought them through the Red Sea, took them to Mount Sinai, brought them up on the other side of the Jordan today, the Jordan. And we know the, uh, that side was where Jordan is today, but it was back then. It was Edom, Moab, and the sons of Ammon, the whole Jordan Valley, the whole area there. And Moses is getting ready to pass away and die. And the Jewish people are going to go into the land with their new leader, their new, I use the word mediator, because that's what Moses was, a mediator between God and the people. And now the new one is going to be Joshua as he takes them in. Moses, the book of Deuteronomy, everyone, you should know. Summarize, Moses preaches three, some scholars think it's four, seems to be three sermons to the people. And Moses is telling this new generation, remember there was a first generation came out of Egypt. They died off, and all the children 20 and under, they're up here. Moses is speaking to them. And as they get ready to go into the land, Moses basically is saying, I'm going to die. He does at the end of the book. Joshua's going to take you into the land. Let me tell you, O Israel, what is important. Let me tell you before I pass away what's important. Now, I want you to look. We're going to look at the passage in a minute. In the Bible, there are what I call paradoxes. Many times. People says there, there is uh, contradictions in the Bible. There are no contradictions in the Bible, folks. No contradictions. There are difficult passages, and there are passages that we have to understand in a different light. There is no contradictions in the Bible, but there are paradoxes. One paradox that I want to bring out today, which I'm going to probably bring out to, to you, is that God wants everything from his children. He wants everything from you and I. That's what Moses is saying to Israel. God says through Moses to the Jewish people, Hero Israel, God wants your love, your loyalty, your faithfulness. God wants you to totally serve him. And God says, I will take care of you and meet all your needs. So God wants one thing from his people, everything. Then God also in the Bible says, he wants nothing from you. Absolutely nothing. It's a paradox. God seems to be saying, I want nothing. I want everything. Now, I speak every week to two groups of people. You know that. I divide the world. I could make it theological, but I don't want to sound too smart. So uh, I don't want to sound like I know something. So I make the world into two bubbles. One bubble here is on the left. There's a theological term for that, but you don't need to know that. The bubble here on the left is what I call the non-believers. Good people, let me get political. Some Democrats, some Republicans. Okay, I've gotten political. Yeah, that's all. Anyway, there are people on the left. Bubble. These are people, and throughout the whole world, these people have never said that they want Yeshua in their heart and life. They've never put their trust in him. Good people, though. Then you got a bubble on the right here. These people are believers in Messiah. These people on the right were once here on the left. Right and left not being political. But anyway, so these people have said, I always say three things. The people on the right have said this. I believe I'm a sinner. I believe Yeshua, Jesus, died for me. And I now want to receive him into my heart and my life. And you know, I did that on January 15th, when? 1972. Okay, and I moved residents. I moved from the left bubble over to the right bubble. Now let me tell you also, the people in the right bubble, some are good and some are not so good. Same thing. The only difference is, these people here have said three things. I'm a sinner. Yeshua died. And I want to put my trust in him. So there's the... Now, this is what I'm trying to say today. The people in this right bubble, 
who you call believers and Messiah. You know what God's message is to you? I want everything from you. I want your life. I want your loyalty. I want your love. I want your faithfulness. And I will bless you beyond belief. God has a different message for this group. God says, I want nothing from you. This is a biblical message, folks. God says to this group, I want nothing from you except for you to believe, accept, and receive the Messiah. That's what the two messages of the Bible are. Moses is speaking mostly to the people on the right, the believers. And he's saying, basically, I want everything from you. So in your outlines, you can follow along here where God is really saying to Israel that I want your love, your loyalty, and I will bless you. I will give you everything. God chose, here's a little paradox, God chose Israel. Why? Well, first of all, there was no Israel. First, there was Moses. I'm sorry. First, there was Abraham. And Abraham wasn't even Jewish. I know it might shock some of you, but he was one of the nations. And in a sense, if I can say this, God made him a Jew. All right. He said, Abraham, yes, I'm going to make you a Jew. What's that? Anyway, God said, I'm making you the first. Now, some people say it's Jacob. Eh, I'm not going to argue. All right. Jacob's name was changed to Israel. You want to be technical? Okay. But anyway, Abraham is the first Jew, Isaac, and then Jacob. Now, God chose Abraham and his people for a reason. He chose them for a reason. God chose them not because they were better, not because they were worthy, not because they were more, just because God loved. And he chose them out of nothing. And now they're his children, and he's saying, I want you to follow and obey me. See, the book of Deuteronomy is what we call a covenant, an agreement between God, Moses, and the Jewish people. And God is saying, Israel, I will give you everything, everything you can imagine, if only you'll trust me and walk with me and obey me. I will provide the best of the best, the greatest of the greatest. Trust me with your lives. So that's what Moses is doing now in this chapter that we're studying. Follow along with me. Uh, Deuteronomy chapter 11. What is Moses really telling the Jewish people? Actually, he says, if you honor me, I will honor you. God says, I honor those who honor me. Those of you who honor God, God honors. Look what it's, no, 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 back up. We're way, way, to, you're way ahead of me here. Whoever's up there, good, good. The Lord, it says, the Lord is with you when you are with him. When you're walking with him and obeying him and following him, he will bless your life. What else does it say? Oh, it says, he will, uh, the Lord is with you and you're with him. If you seek him, he will let you find him. But if you forsake him, he will forsake you. You turn away from God. Basically, God says this. You're on your own. Have a good time. I don't want that. I want God to be my crutch. Forgive me. I need a crutch. You know, I pray every morning. Sorry, God, I pray every morning. Lord, give me your advantage. I need his help and his advantage. The next verse, 2 Chronicles 16. God's eyes move all around the earth that he might find, find those who strongly support those whose heart is completely his. That's what I want for me. I want my heart to be completely his so he will strongly support me in this earth. So Moses is telling the people, basically, follow along here, what he says. If the Jewish people, he says, he says, if we are totally committed and loyal to God, he will pour out his blessings. He will bless you and provide for you. This is what God says to the believers. If you obey me, walk with me, follow my commandments, I will bless your life. Let me see a show of hands. Does anyone not want God's blessings? Uh, you, know, you don't want to be arrogant enough to do that here. But, okay, we all want God's blessings. So God says, if you do what I ask, you won't believe how much I can bless you. Remember, over here, he's saying to this group, I'm not asking you to do anything except follow me, actually accept my Messiah, believe in him, and receive him. So follow along here. If we are committed and loyal to God, He will abundantly bless us. Follow along in your outlines. First thing God wants and desires from his children, God desires loyalty and total commitment. That's what God's looking for from you and me. Really, if you could summarize this whole message into two parts, God wants your loyalty and total commitment. And later, if you do that, God says, I'll bless you and provide for you. Everyone look up here. The whole message really is this. If you follow me, I will bless you. 
That's it. You can go home. Everyone, goodbye. Everything else is a filler, right? If you follow me and obey me, Israel, I'm going to bless you. So that everyone in the world is going to look at you and say, why are you so blessed? And you'll be able to say, because I follow him. That's the whole message. So the first point here is that I want us to get is God desires loyalty from us. And you know what really God's saying? You should follow me. And let me tell you why. Because of what I've done for you. God encourages us. You should follow me because I've done so much for you. God here, Roman number one. God desires loyalty and total commitment. God, now, I threw in a little, little sidetrack here, an A. I said, first, God wants everything, loyalty and total commitment. But I want to give you the paradox first. God also says, I want nothing from you. Larry, you're confusing me. First, you say God wants everything. Then you're saying God wants nothing. Which is it? Uh, well, this group, God doesn't want anything. That group, God wants everything. So you right now think, which group am I in? Don't trick anybody. You think to yourself, am I a good person, but I've never accepted Messiah? Am I good or bad? Have I accepted Messiah? From the group on the left, God says to you, listen carefully, I want nothing. Follow along with me. There's a great invitation, even before we get to our passage. Great invitation, God says to the Jewish people. Um, in Isaiah chapter 55, we read verse 1. Ho, everyone who thirsts, come to the waters. Follow along here. When it says, ho, everyone who thirsts, God actually wants nothing from these non-believers. And he's saying, every one of you who thirsts. Now, I had a good friend, and I've told you about my good friend in New Jersey, a guy named well, it's not important. Anyway, uh, my good friend Dave, he was very, 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 very strong. One of the strongest men I've ever known. He actually could lift 700 pounds off the ground. I watched him. He could actually put 700 pounds on his shoulder and bend down to the ground and pick it up. He was one of the strongest men I've ever known. And I told him about accepting Messiah. And at one point in his life, he did. He told me, I believe I'm a sinner. I believe Yeshua died for me. I now want to receive him into my life. I said, and he says to me, what does God want from me? I said, nothing. Accept the Messiah. Become his child. And he did. And then after a while, he started reading the Bible and praying. And then he got angry at somebody. I said, well, you can't get angry like that. You have to apologize. He goes, wait a second. You told me God wanted nothing from me. I said, that's before because you were in this bubble. He says, you didn't tell me everything. I said, of course not. Once you become his child, he wants, he wants your loyalty. He wants your faith. He wants your love. But in this verse, Isaiah chapter 55, God is basically speaking to the people here, non-believers, and God says, ho, everyone who thirsts. The word thirst there really isn't just, you know, you want some water. The word thirst there really means God's calling to the Jewish people saying, please, everyone, all of you who are thirsty for life, all of you who want meaning, all of you who want joy, all of you who want purpose, all of you who want life to the full. All of mankind wants life. There's a mad, I believe there's a mad search all over the world for what's meaningful. What's joy. That's what everyone's doing, looking for what's really life. And God's calling out to the world saying, how oh, everyone who thirsts for meaning, life, purpose, joy, happiness, fulfillment, all of you who want what's really good and perfect. He says, come to the waters. Well, you come to water when you're thirsty. You're, you're just, yeah, I picture water. You th- I picture a nice spring and a brook and waterfalls. And you, you just fill, fill your thirst. Because God wants to give you purpose and meaning. As I said, for me, on my life, my life changed in January 1972. That's when I found out what life was really all about. That's when I changed my whole entire life. Look what he says in Isaiah 51. Ho, every one of you who thirsts for the waters, come, he says. And you who have no money, I love this phrase in Isaiah 51. You who have no money, come, buy and eat. There's a little paradox. He says, you have no money, come, buy and eat. Well, I don't have money. What God's offering you doesn't cost. 
God says, come to me and I will give it to you freely. See, man is striving. We're looking to do something. We're looking for purpose. We want to know, what do I have to do? And God says, listen, and this is what we don't like. God says, I don't want you to do anything. I've done it for you because I'm God. You are hungry and thirsty, come to me. Buy with no money. You don't have to. Just accept what God offers you. Look what it says. Oh, every one of you who thirsts, you have no money. Come buy and eat. Buy what? Wine, the best wine. Buy milk without money, without cost. What God offers you, and there's a side note here I have to say. What God offers today doesn't cost anything. Let me put it this way. It does cost someone something, but not you. It did cost. It cost the Messiah, the promised Messiah of Israel, the future coming king of Israel. It did cost him. The purpose of Messiah was to come and pay for you. We don't have to buy, we don't have to buy anything. It doesn't cost us a penny. Someone else paid for us. And you have to say, yes, thank you. I will receive it. But it doesn't cost. And that's what Isaiah is telling us here. It doesn't cost you a thing. Uh, look at me in verse um, uh, 3, Isaiah 55, 3. Incline your ear. Incline your ear. Listen. By the way, everyone look up here. Good. When, you know what God said? That's what God is saying. Everyone look up here. When he says, incline your ear, bend your ear toward me. Everyone look up. That's what God is saying. I have a message for all of you. Incline your ear, listen to me, that you might live, that you might enjoy life, and I will make you an everlasting covenant. He's speaking to Israel. Look to me, Israel, the one who will support you. I will make an everlasting covenant with you according to the faithful mercies shown to David. God is saying, come to me. Isaiah 1. We don't have to turn to it, but Isaiah 1, God says through Israel, come, Israel, let's reason together. I love that. It's like God sitting down and says, Israel, come, come, come. Sit, sit with me, my child. I want to reason with you. Isaiah, I'm sorry, Hosea chapter 14, verse 1, our name of our congregation. God is saying to Israel, Israel, look to me. Return to me. I can give you the water. I can give you life. God's always throughout all the ages, starting from way back, he's always said, look to me. All the ends of the earth, and be saved. Look to me, I will take care of you. I want nothing from you. Recently, I was talking to a, a Jewish man who does not believe in Messiah. Good man, I like this prayer a lot. But he doesn't believe in Messiah. And basically, in our conversation, he wound up saying to me, so what do I have to do? And you know me, because I always said how we're a lot alike. I said, we're Jewish. I said, my parents are Jewish, like yours. My grandparents are Jewish, like yours. I said, my children had bat mitzvahs. I said, I worship on Shabbat. I observe the Jewish holidays. And I was trying to show him that we're a lot alike. But then I gave the usual line, the bottom line, but we're not really alike. I said, because what you do for life and meaning and purpose and joy, according to our Jewish people, is you pray, you fast, and you do good deeds. I said, those things are fine and good, but they don't give you a relationship with God. I said, God wants to have a relationship with you. God wants you to have forgiveness. God wants you to have atonement. God wants to develop a relationship with you. And this person said to me, so what do I have to do? And you know what I said to them? Everyone? Nothing. And I saw them go, oh. I said, nothing. That's the purpose of Messiah. His job was to come to earth and to pay for your sins. Not only that, folks, we have to get it right. Messiah came first for who? Jewish people. And also the Gentiles. And Messiah's purpose was to pay for your sins so you could have a relationship with God. It's never been prayer, fasting, good deeds. It's always been the death of Messiah. Jewish people in, uh, back in Moses' time and for thousands of years, they had to take a sheep, a lamb, a goat, slit its throat, dry, drain the blood. The animals suffered and they got set free. And that's the purpose of Messiah. He would come and he'd be the sheep, the lamb, and the goat who would suffer. 
He shed his blood as there had to be a blood atonement in Leviticus 17. He shed his blood. He suffered. So I have been set free. Now, as of January 15th, 1972, I have a relationship with God. I know God. He talks to me. No, I don't hear voices. Don't worry. I don't hear voices. He speaks to me through the word of God. He speaks through gentle impressions. I am able to talk. I have a relationship with him. The important thing is here that you know something. I had to do nothing for that. I want you to see uh, Matthew chapter 11, our Messiah. Look what his words are, because this is you doing nothing. At that time, Yeshua, the Messiah, he said to God, I praise you, Father in heaven, Lord in heaven and earth. You have hidden these things from the wise and intelligent and revealed them to infants. You know, we read something before that there's a veil over our people's eyes. And that was a picture of the old covenant with Moses went up to God and had to put a veil over his face. And today, for thousands of years, our Jewish people all over in all the synagogues, there's a veil over their eyes. They don't know God. They don't have a relationship with God until the veil is removed, folks. How do you remove the veil? In Messiah. And Yeshua says this. Look at these words. He says, Yes, fa- uh, yes Father, for it was well-pleasing in your sight... All things have been handed over to me, the Messiah, by my Father. And no one, watch this phrase, very important phrase in the Bible. Nobody knows who the Messiah, the Son is, except the Father in heaven. Nobody really knows the Son except the Father. Nor does anyone know the Father except the Son. You know something? It's not fair. Father and Son have a good relationship, and none of us can know them. You can't know the Father. You can't know the Son. They only know each other. But then it says, look what he says, the Son, what he does. He says, nor does anyone know the Father except the Son and anyone to whom the Son wills to reveal him. When I came to faith in Messiah, all of a sudden, I knew God. All of a sudden, I had a new relationship with God. All of a sudden, I started understanding what life was all about. Come to me, Messiah says, and uh, you who are weary and heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Messiah did it. We must believe You know, I'm a repeater. I'm sorry. And some people say to me, so what do I have to do? I believe Yeshua is the Messiah. Everyone, you know, you should know three things. One, I believe I'm a sinner. Two, Yeshua died for me. Three, I want to receive him into my life. That's what you need to do. Look look up here. The veil is taken off your face. You have a relationship with God. You know him personally. You have forgiveness. You have atonement. Only in Messiah. That's the way it gets done. Look what it says in John 7. We were talking about water before. Now on the last day, Jewish holiday again, of uh, uh, Sukkot, the great day of the feast, Yeshua stood and cried out to everybody, if any one of you is thirsty, come to me and drink. Anyone who's thirsty, come to the Messiah. He'll quench your thirst. The Messiah will, it says, come to me. He says, and drink. If you believe in me, As the scripture says, from your innermost being will flow rivers of living water. You'll understand the purpose of life. Whoever drinks of the water that I give him shall never thirst. But the water that I give him will become in him a well of water springing up to eternal life. Messiah gives you life. Messiah gives you water. Messiah gives you light. Book of Ephesians, a great rabbi wrote these words. For by God's grace, everyone, I want you to always know the definition of grace. God giving you what you don't deserve. That's grace. You know what mercy is? God not giving you what you deserve. So God gives grace. By God's grace, you have been saved through faith. That's not of yourselves. It is a gift of God, not of works. Nobody can boast. One of the great verses in all the Bible, the great rabbi wrote this in the book of Romans, chapter 3, in the Brit Hadashah. One of my favorite verses. You should memorize it. You should quote it. You should live by it. Listen, God has saved you. It says, as a gift. God gave us a gift. As a gift, you have been just... Oh, forget it. Help me. Good. You've been justified. You declared righteous. It's a legal term. You've been justified as a gift by God's grace through the purchase price of the Messiah, Yeshua. Everyone listen carefully. God first wants nothing from you. Second, fill it in. God wants everything from you. 
God wants every, on the other hand, there's your paradox, everyone. God wants nothing. I accept Messiah. I move over here. Now I'm one of his children. I'm part of the believers. What does God want from me now? Sorry, everything. He wants your life because he wants to provide for you. Follow along with me. Deuteronomy. Here it is. Moses speaking to the people. Moses says, you should therefore love the Lord your God. That means cling to him. Hold on to him. Love him with all your heart. You should love the Lord your God. You shall keep his charge. Israel, you're getting ready to go into the land. Here's the picture, everyone. Israel, you're going to go into the land. There's enemies in the land. There's difficulties in the land. Love me. Keep my commandments. Worship me. Walk with me. And I will clear the stones. And I will make your land great. And I will get rid of the enemies. You'll be special. I will guard you. I will protect you from all the enemies of life. He's saying, love me. Keep my charge, my statutes, my ordinances, my commandments. Know this today. I'm not speaking to your sons. I'm speaking to you. Who is he speaking to? The children that came out of Egypt probably 20 years and under because the first generation died off. So they're 20 20 years and younger and their children. And he says, I'm not speaking to your sons who have not known and who have not seen the discipline of the Lord, your God, his greatness, his mighty hand, and his outstretched arm. I'm speaking to you. And you know what God is saying in these next couple of verses? This is what he's saying. You should follow me, give worship, walk with me, obey my commandments, because I've done it all for you. You know what Moses does right now? He's telling to everyone, let me teach you something before I die. Let me teach you why you should follow God. Because he's done it all. And he gives a couple of illustrations. Follow along. Verse 3. You should remember God's signs and wonders, which he did in the midst of Egypt. Remember back, folks. Remember back in Egypt when you were slaves, when you were in the mud, when they were destroying you and killing you and oppressing you. Remember when you were in the slave pits there. And remember there in in the midst of Egypt to Pharaoh, what God did to Pharaoh and Egypt and to all his land. God is saying, you should because remember Pharaoh. Remember what Moses did. What did he do? Well, first thing he did, he said, Pharaoh, let my people go. And Pharaoh says, why should I let them go? And Moses takes a stick and throws it down and becomes a snake. And then his, the Pharaoh's magicians, they threw down their sticks, they became snakes. And then all of a sudden, Moses' snake ate their snakes. And they all went, oh, they were surprised. Then, and then God says, let me give you another sign. Moses, put your hand in there and your tallus. So he puts his hand in there. Take it out. <clears throat> Leprosy. And God says, put your hand back in. And puts it back in. Take it out. Beautiful. Pure like baby skin. Remember back what God did through Moses to Pharaoh. Moses went to Pharaoh and said, all right, you like the Nile? blood. All the people remembered. God make blood. And the, the whole, everything. And God says, all right, you like the frogs? You want to worship frogs, Pharaoh? I'll give you some frogs. God gave him frogs. And God gave him lice. God gave him flies. Hmm, I can't remember all ten here. Okay. And God gave them cattle plague. Boils, locusts, and hail, thank you. I wrote them down just so I, but you don't know I'm looking. Flot, lies, cattle, boils, hail, locusts, darkness, slaying of the first. God did it all. You know what God is saying to Israel? God is for you. You know what I say to you? Are you for God? You can't fool him. Those of you who want to become Bible fanatics, now you've got to be wise. You don't have to turn people off. But when you follow God, he's going to bless you. Remember Pharaoh. Look what he says. It's great here. Uh, uh, Deuteronomy 11.4. Remember what God, uh, what he did to Egypt's army, to the horses, the chariots, what he made the, the water of the Red Sea to part to engulf them. While they were pursuing you, the Lord's completely destroyed them. Therefore, because first in Egypt, but now remember when they went through the water? You should follow him because God did something. One of my favorite pictures in the Bible, look at me if you will. 
Look at me in Exodus. I love this portion. Exodus 14. Follow along because I want you to get the picture. Look at the verses. Then the Egyptians, this is what God did, and Moses is telling people, first remember in Egypt, now remember the sea. He's giving them a lesson. Point two. The Egyptians took up their pursuit. All the Pharaoh's horses, his chariots, his horsemen went in after Moses into the midst of the sea. They went in. The Jewish people passed through. So Pharaoh says, good, let us go through. We'll chase those, those Jews. We'll get them. You're not supposed to say Jews, but we can say that. They went after them. It was anti-Semitic. So they went in after them. What happened? It says after, in the midst of them. At the morning watch, I get such a kick out of reading Exodus 14, folks. Because God gives you pictures, not just words. It says at the morning watch. You know what the picture is? God in heaven, we're down here. And if you make a movie, you would see two big eyes in heaven. At the morning watch, God was looking over his people. It's such a funny picture. At the morning watch, it says, the Lord looked down on the army of the Egyptians. What happened here? Was God looking down? (laughs) It's a joke. I'm protecting my people. This army's trying to come in and destroy them. It's a joke when we think we can go against God. And God looked down on the army of the Egyptians through the pillar of the fire. The fire is the picture of God. The cloud the Shekinah glory of God. And he brought the, I love it, brought the army of the Egyptians into confusion. Do you know what God did? You know what it seems to be saying? God plucked the wheels off the chariots. They're going down and God says, "Mm, let's get rid of that wheel, that wheel. Let's make the horses mad. Okay? He made them crave before he even allowed the the water to go. Is there another verse after that? What's there? Ah, he caught, there it is. He caused their chariot wheels to swerve. He took the wheels off. Jewish people were trudging through with all their stuff, and they figured, I'll come with a chair. Pluck the wheels off there. They can't come against my people. Made them swerve. He made them drive with difficulty. In the movie, we see them say, oh, we better get out of here. The God of Israel is fighting for them. That's what happened. If you saw the movie, you should see it. Drive with difficulty. So the Egyptians said, let's flee from it. Let's get out of here before it's too late, for the Lord's fighting for them against us. We don't stand a chance. So Moses stretched out his hand over the sea. Sea returned to its normal state at daybreak. Egyptians were fleeing right into it. The Lord overthrew the Egyptians in the midst of the sea. God is for you. Are you for him? Got to be honest, folks. If you're in this right bubble, are you living for him? He will defeat your enemies. I like that advantage. Over here, God is for you. Are you willing to accept, believe, put your trust in the Messiah? He will make your life totally change. Look at me. And uh, Moses continues to give the lesson in Deuteronomy 11.5. Do you remember what he did in the wilderness until you came to this place? All right, we don't have to read Nehemiah, but let me tell you what. All right, put it up. Put Nehemiah up there. Let me tell you what God did for you. Nehemiah tells us, when you, you in your great compassion did not forsake them, God didn't forsake the Jewish people in the wilderness. The pillar of cloud did not leave them by day. When the Jewish people, the next 40 years in the wilderness, it got hot. What did God do? Put a shade over them. That was God himself. God protected them from the heat in Sinai. What else did he do? The pillar of cloud did not leave them by day. At night, it got cold, folks. So it says to guide them on their way, nor the pillar of fire by night. God had a nice campfire for them. When they were 40 years in the wilderness, he had the campfire himself to light for them and light for them the way in which they were to go. God gave them a spirit to instruct them. God gave them bread. What else? God gave them, what does it say there? God gave them water. What else does it say? Anything? Indeed, well, it doesn't say it there, but God gave them quail and meat and good ones, I'm sure. And then it says, for 40 years, God provided them in the wilderness. They were not in want. Their clothes didn't wear out. I love that. Men were happy. Women were not. (laughs) Styles changed. Women wanted to change their clothes. The man says, it looks good. looks brand new. Anyway, we're not going to do And say, their, their clothes did not wear out. Their feet didn't even swell. This is unbelievable. You know what God is saying to Moses? He says, you should follow me because I did it all for you. And then we say, God is for you. Are you for him? 
Nehemiah, go to Deuteronomy 11.6. We conclude this first section. Do you remember what God did to Dathan and Abraham? These were people who rebelled against God. These were the enemies of Moses, the enemies of the Jewish people, the enemies of the Levites and the priests. Dathan and Abraham rebelled against him. Do you remember what God did to them? God opened the earth in its mouth and swallowed them, their households, their tents, and every living thing that followed them. God was watching over them, protecting them. And he concludes this first section. Your own eyes have seen all the great work of the Lord. And basically, we summarize this section like this. Because God did for you, you should do for him. Now, there was a great rabbi by the name of Saul. I don't know if you know him. He lived 2,000 years ago. You know what? Saul wrote a special book to people. This is what he did. This was Saul's style. He wrote a book called the Book of Romans. Let me tell you what he did, this rabbi. He, he thought like a Jewish person. He thought like Moses. This rabbi, look what he did. He tells the people, believers, they were Jewish and Gentile believers, in Rome. And this rabbi said to them, he said, you know, all mankind is lost. Then he says, mm, you know, the Gentiles, they're lost. Mm, you know, the Jewish people, they're, they're lost. He says, but I will save you through the Messiah. He says, and then you could be saved just like Abraham just like David. Then he says, I will give you justification. I will justify you. I will declare you righteous. Then he says, I will identify you with the Messiah, give you a new heart, a new life. Then he says, there is no condemnation to you if you've had your trust in him. This is what the rabbi says. If you believe in Messiah, he says, I will make you safe and secure just like the nation of Israel. My promises to them are safe, secure, and forever. I will do that for you. You know what this rabbi says? After 11 chapters in the book of Romans, you know what his first next verse is? He says, therefore, you should give your life to him. That's what Moses said. This rabbi did it in all his writings. He always does this. Because of what God has done, you should follow and obey me. Now, Look with me in the second section here. Follow along here in the second section. God desires to bless you, provide, and give to you. God wants to do, he, he wants your loyalty and commitment, but now he wants to bless you. And with this section, he's basically saying, you should follow me now because I will. Everyone, let me tell you the difference in the two first sections. First section, you should follow and obey me because I did. This second section, you should follow and obey me and walk with me because I will. That's the difference in these two sections. Follow along. Fill it in. We said God desires to bless, provide, and give everything to you. Fill it in. A. God gives everything. He gives eternity. Everyone? Okay. Look up here. This bubble on the left, God gives you everything and eternity. This bubble on the right, God gives you blessings and life. He gives. That's what God wants to do. He wants to give. This group, he gives if you believe and receive in him. This group, he gives if you worship him and walk with him and obey him. Follow along what he does. A, God gives everything and eternity for non-believers. It's for free. It's for nothing. What does God give? I, I, I wrote some things down here. I want you to know what God gives to this group who puts their trust in him. God gives you salvation. God gives you heaven. God gives you the Messiah. God gives you himself. God gives you an inheritance. God gives you the angels. God gives you the glory. God does everything for nothing if you just believe in him and receive him. Look what he does. I, I like this verse. I want you to follow along with me. Matthew chapter 8, because I look forward to this as well. It says, I say to you that many will come from the east and the west and recline at the table with Abraham, Isaac, Jacob in the kingdom of heaven. Do you know what God gives? I look forward to the banquet when I sit there with Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. You know who else is going to be at that table? Anybody? You want to call out who else is going to be at that table? Anybody? Yeshua, good. The Messiah himself is going to be at that table. I look forward to that. Anybody else that we know? King David. 
Oh, I'm going to have a dinner with King David one day. I look forward to that. Elijah and Elisha. Well, okay, they're, they're nice. I'll see them at the other corner, but whatever. You know, I, I, I don't identify well with them. David, I want to sit next to him. I want to talk to David. Joseph. Moses. I'll, I'll wave to Moses. You know, he, he's very holy. I, I, again. Daniel. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. Isaiah is going to be at the table. Jeremiah is going to be at the table. What a great table. God gives this all to those who just put their trust in him. Doesn't cost you anything. Come by, be at this banquet for nothing. You're invited. It's not 200 a person, 500 a person. It's free, this banquet. God gives everything to you. Look what else God gives to you for nothing. The book of Yochanan, chapter 1. But as many as receive him, everyone look up here for a minute. I want you to remember these words. Receive, believe, accept, all the same. Trust, all the same. Everyone say, believe, receive, accept, all the same. And look what it says, what Messiah is going to give you. As many as receive him, to them he gave the right to become children of God. Even to those who believe in his name. I'm a child of God. Do I deserve it? No. Did it cost me anything? No. It cost Messiah plenty. But I'm a child of God now. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that whoever believes in him would not perish but have eternal life. My sheep hear my voice, and I know them, and they follow me, and I give to them eternal life, and they shall never perish. I am safe. I'm secure. Let me tell you what else, everyone. God gives to this group. He just doesn't give you a banquet. He just doesn't give you heaven. He doesn't get. Listen to what he. I, I like this phrase. Again, the rabbi wrote this. I want your eyes to be opened and enlightened so that you can understand what the hope of his calling is. Do you know what I look forward to someday? Listen, if by chance right now I drop dead while I'm preaching, you'll all freak out. But listen, I'll be enjoying myself. I will have the glory of heaven. I will have the riches of it. That's the hope of my call. I can't wait. Actually, the great rabbi, you know what he said? Listen, I'm here, but I know when I die, I'm going to be with him. Mm, I'd rather do this. I'd rather pass on and be with him. But I have to help you out a little bit and teach you, so I'm going to stay for a while. He, it's better to be with Messiah. I can't wait. The hope of my calling, someday I know for certain. I got the riches of heaven. As great as you can make heaven, the streets of gold, the glory of heaven, the glory of the angels, and the glory of God, and all the saints, and all the riches of heaven, it's coming to me. Because I deserve it? No. Because Messiah paid for it. Look what he praised. I want you to understand the hope of his calling, the riches of his glory, of his inheritance. I have an inheritance. It's not my 401. It's not my social security gavolt anyway. It's none of that. I have an inheritance waiting for me. That's the glory of heaven, folks. That's what God gives me. Listen carefully. For nothing. Because on a date a couple years ago, 41 years ago, I simply told God I was a sinner. I believe Yeshua died for me. I want to receive him. Because of that, I get heaven. You got it. That's God's plan. We don't like it. It's too easy. As Rabbi says, I want you to understand the riches of his heart. And I want you to understand the surpassing greatness of the power of him who believes. God gives us power to live a different life. He gives us all. You know what I wrote down here? It's for free just by accepting, believing, and receiving. Listen, it's too good to be true. Now, I know what you're saying. If it's too good to be true. What does that say anyway? It's, if it's too good to be true, it's not true to be... Uh, forget it. It is too good to be true. But it's still offered to us. That's what God offers us for nothing. The believer, uh, the non-believers. Look what he offers believers. God gives us blessings and provisions, and he meets all of our needs. This group. This group, it costs nothing. This group, there is one word. There is one key. That is, listen carefully, obedience, faithfulness, loyalty, 
love. And you will not be able to contain the blessings he gives you. This group, it's none of that. It's accept, believe, and receive. And I will give you the glories of heaven. But to believers, follow along, letter B. God gives us blessings. The key is for obedience. Romans, I'm sorry, Deuteronomy 11.8. Love these verses here, watch. God says to the Jewish people, you shall therefore keep all my commandments. See, he always goes back to that, to believers. Keep, obey, be faithful. He says, you shall keep my commandments, which I'm commanding you today, that you might be strong. God will give you strength. God will enable you to overcome the world if you obey me. Key's always obedience, folks. Watch. Um, That you'll be strong. You'll overcome all your enemies. God will give you strength. Go in. You will possess the land in which you're about to cross. You will possess. You'll defeat all your enemies. You will have the advantage of people in life. As a believer, if you obey him, because he's by your side. He's your bodyguard. God is speaking to Israel. As you go into this land, you know who's in the land? Does anybody know who's in the land waiting for the Jewish people? Anybody? Who's in there? All the ites. There's the Gergesites, the Amorites, the Hivites, the Hittites, the Canaanites, the Perizzites, the Jebusites, and the Termites. No, no, there's no Termites. But seven nations in the land, all the ites that were bigger and stronger than Israel. It says there were seven. I think I did seven. I might have missed one. But there are seven ites. And basically, God is saying to Israel, you can't go in there and you can't defeat them. They will kill you. They're prepared for you. You're not prepared for them. But if you obey me and follow me and are loyal to me, they don't stand a chance. I will knock them off one by one. I will knock the wheels off the chariots. I will be your support and your strength. That's what God is saying to Israel through Moses. And he was saying, you will grow in and possess the land. Verse 9, so that when you go in, you'll prolong your day. You're going to enjoy the land of Israel. You're going to dwell in it and stay in it and enjoy it for long if you obey me. God's message to his children is always trust me and obey me. I don't mind when the world looks at Larry and says, you got a crutch. And you go, "Uh, you better believe I do. Well, you got God fighting for you. Uh, You better believe I do. And I want him fighting for me. I don't care what you say, but I want to give him my life. And I want to be on his side. He will take me through life and give me the waters and give me life and give me meaning and give me purpose and give me fulfillment. He will give me what I need and desire to go through life. I will possess, I love this verse, but follow nine. You'll prolong your days on the land which the Lord swore to your fathers to give them and to their descendants. A land flowing with milk and honey. You know what I wrote down here? This is Wonka land. Wonka, anyone? You know, what's his name? Willy Wonka. Wonka, Willy Wonka, chocolate factory, you know, the bars, the chocolates. and This is heaven for us. When you get into the land flowing with milk and honey, you got it all. If you follow me. It's, look what he says. He makes it clear. Verse uh, 10. For the land into which you are entering to possess, it's not like Egypt, folks. Egypt, they had to work the land. They had to work with their feet. They had to make irrigation canals. They had to suffer and work hard and get beaten with a whip. This land I'm taking you, it's different. It's not like Egypt, where you came from, where you used to sow the seed, water it with your feet like a vegetable garden. Let me show you what this land, where I'm taking you in. But the land into which you are about to cross over to possess it is a land of, I love this, hills and valleys. How many of you have been to Israel? lot of you. You go through Israel, there's hills and valleys all over. I love when the first day we would get there and we're driving up the Mediterranean coastline and you see the Carmel Mountains. And then you start crossing over the land, you see the Naphtali Mountains. And then you see Mount Hermon. And you see Mount Tabor. And you see uh, Mount Moray. And you see Gelboa. Then you get to Jerusalem. And you see the mountains surrounding Jerusalem. And then you see on the other side of the Jordan, the Gilead Mountains. Hills and valleys. It's beautiful. Hills. And you see valleys, it says. 
You come into it's different than Egypt. You get to Egypt. Anyone been to Egypt? Let me see. <laughs> Flat. All right, they got the Nile. God says, if you're not if you're not good, I'll dry up the Nile too. Nothing. You get to Israel. There's the valleys. Which valleys? Well, you get to you get to the Jordan Valley, the largest valley in the world, four thousand miles. From Turkey down to Africa, largest valley in, in all the world, 4,000 miles in the Jordan Valley. You go through the Valley of Jordan. Then that's north and south. Then you go east and west, and you get to the Jezreel Valley, the Valley of Megiddo. Then you get to uh, Jerusalem, and you see the Kidron Valley, the Valley of the Kings, the Valley of Jehoshaphat. And the picture in Israel, God's saying, you got the hills, you got the valleys, you got the water system everywhere, you got the Mediterranean. And you got the uh, Mount Hermon bringing down, coming down to the Sea of Galilee. You got the Gal- uh, Jordan River flowing through. And God says, this land's different. In Egypt, who had to work the land, folks? Slaves with their feet. They had to make the irrigation canals. Over here, who works this land, folks? He's the gardener. He made the hills and the valleys. He's got the water flowing. He's got everything. If you obey me. If you don't obey me, follow along. Passage tells you. It's great. Follow along here. Uh, it says, but into the land, and, uh, where were the hills and the valleys? Good. Hills and the valleys. It drinks water from the rain of heaven. Who waters the land of Israel? God does. I get such a kick over there in Israel when they worry. The, the Sea of Galilee, they say it's getting lower and lower and lower. I heard that in the last couple of years. It's getting lower and lower. It's too low. Nothing can be done. One year, it's so high you can't believe it right now. God just poured out his blessings on the nation of Israel. God's eye is on his land. He brings his people in there and says, I will take care of you. Key word is, everyone, obey me. And I will bless this land. It says, a land, I love it, for which the Lord your God cares for. His eyes are always on his only place in the world. This is God's land. You come in, you're on God's territory. Verse 13, it shall come about if you listen. Here it is, key. If you listen obediently to my commandments, which I'm commanding you today, to love the Lord your God, serve him with all your heart, all your soul. If, everyone, if you obey, if you are faithful, if you are loyal, look what he's going to do. That, uh, let me see, with all your soul, that he will give you the rain in the land, in its season, early rain, October, November, early rain. He pours out his rain. The end of the Jewish holiday of Sukkot, God pours the rains, the early rains. Then it says, if you're good and obey me, I'll give you the late rain also, February, March. I like to take my trips in April. You know why? The rains are over. Everything's flooded. Israel's in bloom. You see the flowers, the fruits, the vegetables. And Israel's in bloom before the dry summer comes. And God says, I'll give you the early rains. I'll give you the late rains. That you'll gather, gather in the grain, folks. You won't be able to gather in. It'll be too much. You'll gather in the new wine and your oils. God will give you grass in your fields and your cattle. And you will eat and be satisfied. God, God is saying, if you obey me and follow me, Israel, when you get into the land, you know what I'm going to give you? A lot of cattle, a lot of sheep, a lot of goats, a lot of fruits, a lot of vegetables, a lot of flowers, everything. Your women, many, many children. I'm going to bless you beyond belief. One word, folks, that is if you obey. God wants you to obey. Follow along. But he gives you a warning now. He ends with a warning. He says, beware if you don't obey me. God says, don't go the way of Egypt. Don't go the way of the world, everyone. Beware that your hearts do not, are not deceived. That you turn away and serve other gods and worship them. In the land of Israel, there were two other gods, folks. There was a lot of gods. One was Baal, Baal, and Hadad. You know what these gods were? The gods of fertility. So the people thought, I'll worship Baal. I'll worship Hadad. And they will bless the land. And God says, don't do it. Because if you do worship them, I will dry up the land. I will not send the early and later rains. These are not, don't go the way the world is telling you. The world says, this is the right way, do this. Those believers are Michigana. Don't follow the crazy but blind believers who are brainwashed by their cult leader, Larry. Don't follow them. 
Don't go that way. God's saying, please, follow and obey me. Beware that you don't, you're not deceived and worship their gods. Verse uh, 17, God's anger will be kindled against you. He will shut up the rain. He will shut up the heavens. So there will be no rain. The ground will not yield fruit. You'll perish quickly from the good land which the Lord is giving to you. God warns us. God warns believers. He says, do not love the world nor the things in the world. For if anyone loves the world, the love of the Father God is not in them. You and I have choices, folks. You can go the way of the world. You can go the way that you think is right. Go the way of the world. For all that's in the world, everyone, the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, the pride of life is not from God. It's from the world. Just finish watching the Oscars. You watch the way of the world. Glitter, gold, houses, mates, cars. That's what really counts. That's what we think. Education. That's what I grew up with. That's what I always believed. The way of the world. I used to look at all of you believers as nuts and kooks. I thought you were brainwashed and very, very foolish. Then I accepted the Lord. You know what everyone said about me? I was brainwashed and foolish. I started to realize what really is life. It's not from God the Father. It says, for all that's in the world, the lust of the flesh, lust of the eyes, pride of life. It's not from the Father. It's from the world. The world's going to pass away and all its lust, but the one who does the will of God, the one who follows God, abides. The one who follows God enjoys life today and for all eternity. Look at, look at this uh, other Jewish guy named Jacob. Those of you who don't know what I'm talking about, that's James. But Jacob says this, you adulteresses, believers, do you not know that friendship with the world is hostility toward God? That means if you crave and want and desire and lust after the things of the world, you're an enemy of God. Now, God might give you those things. God blesses me with good things in the world. God might choose to bless me with a house, a car, a golfing round at Big Canyon. He might choose to, and he does. But he says, make sure you don't put your eyes on it. Put your eyes on me, and I will give you quite a bit. And that's what he's done my whole life. You adult, don't become friends of the world. It's hostility toward God. Therefore, whoever wishes to be a friend of the world, you make yourself an enemy of God. John 10, I am the door, Yeshua said. If anyone enters through me, you will be saved. He's the way. If you come and go in, I will take you in and out of your pasture. The thief comes to steal, kill, and destroy. Yeshua says, I've come to give you life and give it abundantly. That's my hope and desire for all of you. That God would give you the abundant life that he's promised us. John 15, Yeshua says, if you keep my commandments, let me add, you will never regret it. If you follow God, you will never regret it. You will abide in my love just as I've kept my Father's commandments and abide in his love. These things I've spoken to you that my joy may be in you and that your joy may be made full. Listen, when I went to seminary, Dallas Seminary, they had a phrase on the wall and it said this, salvation, forgiveness, relationship with God, atonement, salvation is by God's grace. Graduation by law. What they meant. God gives you something for nothing. But if you want to graduate this seminary, you're going to have to do the rules. You know what the Bible teaches us? That if you are faithful and loyal and committed to God, he will richly bless your life. God, if you today determine, I'm going to walk with him. I'm going to obey him. I'm going to follow God you will not be able to receive how much blessing he will do for you. But, let me add this, to this group, if you believe in him and receive him and put your trust in him, he will give you the glories of heaven for free by receiving him. Let's bow for a word of prayer. Father, we thank you for your blessings to us. We thank you for the word of God that you spoke through Moses to our people. And that as you said, Lord, those who follow you, you will abundantly bless their lives. 
but also, as you said, those who put their trust in Messiah. You will give them the glories of heaven. You will give them eternal life. My prayer today is for anyone in this room who's heard the message long enough, quietly in your heart right now, you can say these words. Nobody knows. You can say, God, I'm a sinner. Not as bad as Larry, but I'm a sinner. Lord, I believe Yeshua is the Messiah, and he died for me. I now want to receive him into my heart and my life as my Messiah and Savior. The Bible teaches us if you say those words, you have eternal life, you have the glories of heaven, the riches, the inheritance of heaven. Father, we thank you today for your word, for this day. We ask all these things in Yeshua's name. Amen. Let's all stand together. We want to conclude.